I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back, everybody, with the Wise Men Say podcast in association with the Love Supreme. Here to talk about the Leeds game, primarily. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. Now, my lovable co-host, Gareth Barker, advertised the pod earlier on Twitter. I was talking about the Leeds game, but he also said, amongst other stuff, so I'm not really sure. That's put a spanner in the works for me. So we've drafted Luke Bawley, and he's going to provide you with the other stuff. Um, I'm just dropping that on your lap there, Luke. You've got five minutes to think of things to say. Yeah, I will try and try and figure something out. I could talk about my Metro journey or something like that, but I, I can't see it. Or my New Year's, but maybe it's best we leave that one off Just the table. Just let the listeners know we've we've already done this these jokes. So these are <laughs> about two minutes ago. We, we, yeah, we yeah. discovered use that term very yeah, loosely. We discovered that one of the mics was broken, and uh, Luke did that material then, and it was just. And Gareth decided cool. he didn't like the Metro story, so <laughs> you just got was brilliant the first time round. Brilliant the first time. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you just lose something in multiple multiple occasions. Mm, unfortunately, that's the where it is so the other voice you, voice you could hear there is Graham Anderson once of the Sun and Echo of course I'd like to say he's here fresh from picking the top 100 ever no post-war Sunderland signings Graham is that yeah, right? yeah there was a panel of four of us uh, there was myself and Gary Bennett and Rob Mason the club programme editor and Chris Young obviously still at the Echo uh, and we were given the task of coming up with a, a hundred, uh, a hundred post-war signings, the top hundred post-war signings, which took us in a whole afternoon. And uh, there were plenty of arguments, mainly over whether Benno should be included and whereabouts Benno should feature. I was going to say, that. did he, did he try and nab the number one spot straight away? He was definitely pushing hard for promotion, put it that way. But uh, but I mean, what we've done is we've we've, we've come up with a, a workable idea, roughly of, of where we, you know, top fifty, top thirty, top ten, and then as far as the top ten are concerned. It's up for readers themselves to have an input and decide what they want yeah. and what they think. I was reading that today. So did you actually bother with the order of the top ten anyway? Or did you just come up with a top ten we, and, we and needed to totally leave that to the readers? We needed a top ten um, and there was we, we there was actually half a dozen that picked themselves. You know, the likes of, of Brian Clough and... Um, and Charlie Hurley and um, Kevin Phillips and Quinny. There were those where we were all agreed on, and then the final two or three in the top ten we arrived at by committee process. Right. Okay. <laughs> Cups of coffee and tears and arguments. But and you did actually have the run and order as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I think it'll be really interesting for readers because obviously no one's going to agree with us. Everyone had their different opinions, but that's what it's all about. It's there to spark conversations. Did Benno make the top ten, or can you tell us? Uh, I could tell you, but I have to kill you. <laughs> I think you have to buy the. You've been doing everybody a favour then. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but uh, Benno, it was good fun. We we're grateful for Benno to help out because obviously everyone has different areas and different people to to put forward. Okay, before we talk about the Leeds game, let's hear Gus's take on it. Uh, I was at, on sort of M duty at the game. Ah, uh, depending how you look at it, you know, I I'm a believer that not because of the final result you need to just uh, think you play well or you play bad or you know. At the end of the day, I told you last week, uh, Man City, no, three-two. Everybody think, oh, it was tight, but we were close to lose five-six-two. Well, today was the opposite. Okay, one-nil. It looks tight. I should finish five-nil. You know, before even they they put the ball in the box in the second half. Um, but that's us again, <laughs> both ways. So um, happy with the result. Happy winning, winning at home, being in the next round of this important cup. I need to be disappointed with the finishing. I think we need to be better in front of goal. Football, um, you know, at any level, and when it's not too much difference, you know, between Premiership and Championship team, when you're in top, you need to make, a, you know, two or three goal difference. Because sooner or later, the position is going to have a chance, whatever it is, a cross, a shot, or one moment of madness. And um, we didn't. And that was the message at halftime. And the second half, unfortunately, again, you know, we needed to change players because of injuries or illness, and we couldn't really look at something to affect the game. But it's not an excuse, but it happened in the last four games already. We keep changing players uh, for uh, whatever reason and not for a tactical reason. But even then, when they were better, when they improved because they had nothing to lose, the spaces that they left behind, the opportunity that we had, it was 
you know, in another day you would be really disappointed if you didn't win the game. I noticed on Twitter, Graham, shortly after the game, you suggested it was a decent end game because yeah. a lot of people would disagree with you. Is that how you saw yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's, it's like anything. It's, you put, you've only got 140 characters to try and make a point, so I guess confused. I wasn't suggesting for a second that it was a great game of football, um, but it was one of those things where if you had a highlights package, I mean, match of the day was terrible in its coverage, uh, but if you had like 30 seconds where so many other fixtures had uh, good coverage, but the, my point was, was that actually. Although it was error-strewn on both sides and it wasn't a classic, there was plenty of goal-mouth action. There seemed to be almost a goal chance every few minutes. So in terms of, of things to keep the fans occupied, there was a lot of stuff there. And I enjoyed it. I mean, so what, if you were looking at it kind of from the purest point of view, yeah. in terms of fantastic skill and all that sort of thing, no, it wasn't a great game. But just in terms of the fact that Leeds were giving it a go and Sunderland were giving it a go and they were both trying to be positive, I thought it was enjoyable. Mm, no, I'm inclined to agree. I think if, if any... Um Anybody who was neutral in the, in the press box or whatever, or any neutral fan or what a ticket for the game would have thought it was a decent end to end game. I thought mm-hmm. I would go along with that, Gareth. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, first half was a bit better um, than the than the second from a Sunderland perspective. But yeah, I mean, Sunderland had the chances in the in was the as second good as half. Good as Gus sees, do you think? He seems to be implying we could have won six nil there or something. I think in the first half, the chances that we had, we, we you know we had one off the line from a genie. And uh, Fletcher had that one over the bar that was played across the face. So, yeah. And then second half, Fletcher had two good chances. Really, one in particular that he should have definitely yeah. scored. So, I think he's right. Um, like, I, I think he's he's right about like comparing it to the Man City game as well, where we, you know, clearly um, got away with got away with it there. I mean, three two was probably flat room once we opened yeah. up. Yeah. Um, I thought that was what, that was what was one of the most enjoyable things from a Sunderland point of view. I think it's a great game for, for Sunderland to have had. First of all, they've won. That's all that counts really in FA Cup ties. Secondly, they've won at home, and the fans haven't seen too many home wins, so that, that helps the players as well. But also, I thought I, I enjoyed. I, mean, I know Alvarez was hit and miss. We'd have benefited from that, and Jacciarini was better. But you know, again. It, He's someone who we really need to come to the party in the next three or four months. He'll have benefited from that. And even Stephen Fletcher, um, I know people would say if he got a hat-trick, it would have been fantastic for him, and it would have been. But just the fact he missed, he was able to miss quite a few mm. shots, that's practice. It, it, it he's disallowed goal very well, to be fair. Yeah, 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 well, actually, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think he'll have benefited from just having some of the pressure off him. In, in a Premier League game, you miss one, and that's it. That's your chance gone for the game. He had plenty of chances. I always remember Kevin Phillips used to say that the, the key to his game was confidence, but when he was playing with Johnson and Summerby, he didn't care about missing because of another chance along the next five, ten minutes. And I think too many games, Fletcher, I think, maybe started to beat himself up thinking, I'll get one chance in this game playing as a lone striker if I don't score. Um, Possibly true in the Premier League, though, to be fair. Yeah, maybe different but, against Leeds in the Cup. But, but not many, but I, th- I just think a game where there was less pressure on him and he could, he could almost afford to miss will have done his confidence. Because there's a lot of positives, I think, for someone from the game. Well, I think... Luke, if we were going to speak to most Sunderland fans before the game, well, in weeks prior to this game, and you speak to people and they say, we need to find a place for Alvarez, we need to find a place for Jacarini, this side has no creativity. So Gus went with that, and will we end up better for it? I think we were. I think especially Jacarini in the first half was uh, showed a lot of... Well, he's very good at it. He's very good at finding space. Um, he's very good at finding that sort of space in between, and he's very good... Uh, at sort of finding that passing behind or finding that crucial pass, and it's what he showed last season towards the end of uh, uh, when we used to bring him on, uh, sort of when the defenders were tired, and he used to find that space well. And like that Man City game away, the two-two, where he created two assists for Connor Wickham just by doing that against a side that will push forward. And I think that's where he'll be very handy. Um, Do you have him in that left position then, or movement in the midfield like some people are, I, are demanding? I, I think Not demanding, a bit harsh. Gareth's demanding it. I think <laughs> I, I would. I actually agree with Gareth. I think. Are you demanding it? I, I, well, I'm not sure. I'm, dem- I'm not sure I'm in any position to demand this, but uh, um, but uh, I think oh, the problem is on the when he cuts inside. Um, he does tend to get outmuscled or crowded out. Got knocked off the ball a few times. Yeah, and it's something that will happen because he's not the most physical of uh, players. And I, I actually think he will be, funnily enough, I think it'll be better in games where we're under the cush rather than, say, a game where we're expected to take our, expected to attack and take our game because he's someone who will find space well. And that's what we've been missing in those games where we've, we've sort of been solid and and just try to sort of keep things tight. For the risk of sounding like a broken record here, Graham, when we 
discuss where Jacarini could fit in the side on here. It's tricky, isn't it? Because now Gus Gus went with Fletcher and the two wingers. He doesn't normally do that. Mm. He played Wickham on the left, and we know Barini was here last season. He likes a sort of centre forward who can play on the left, who can come in, join on the attack. Now we have to assume then he isn't going to start playing wingers anytime soon. Now you can't imagine Johnson getting dropped anytime soon. So. Mm. Where does Jack Rainey fit? I don't think I don't think Gus is anywhere near really. I mean, he's, he's making inroads, but I don't think he's anywhere near having the sort of team he wants. And I think one of the problems he's got is he's got that five across the middle, which leaves you with one striker up front, and and so you need goal scorers in your side more than just the one goal scorer. And that's why I, Wickham. I, don't, I think Wickham is far from ideal out on the left. And if he was here, I'm sure. Connor would say the same thing but that's a way of getting an extra striker into your side as far yeah. as, as he's concerned with Jatterini who you mentioned earlier the natural place for him is out, out wide but I think if you, interestingly if you, if you asked Jacarini, just like Connor would say I'm a striker out and out striker if you ask Jacarini, he would probably say because he's hinted at it before in interviews I've had with him that he prefers to be inside yeah, he said so this week hasn't he yeah. has he I haven't yeah. I've proved that interview but he's he said in the past that he he likes to be more involved. I think the, the one of the complaints you get from a winger is if you don't get the past the ball, you just become a peripheral figure. And I think he's someone who likes to be on the ball all the time. And the more in field you are, the more of the ball you see. And so his preference would be to be in field behind the main striker or behind the two. If you ever play with two strikers behind there, the problem for for Poyet is how do you accommodate him and all the rest of the players on the side? That's it, Gareth. We keep saying you you want to move in the middle. Poya has his system where Bridcut or Cottermall sit. That, that mm. sitting midfield is very, very important. Yeah. Uh, so you can't really have a number ten, can you? With the, well, with the formation, Gus players. You'd have to maybe switch out. So mention the diamond formation no. again before that. Would one would fit them both in? I know you don't. You know, yeah. No, I know you don't agree with it. So there. tell me, tell me. We're just playing where Gomez plays. Really? Yeah. Well, if you can if if Gomez can play there, then Jack Rooney can. I mean, what is go? I mean. Gomez is hardly his powerhouse, is he? I mean, people talk about with Jack Arini in the middle that he's lightweight. Well, I haven't seen anything from Gomez to suggest that he isn't lightweight. No, but I, mean, I don't. I would. I don't think he notices as much as you do with Jack Arini when he plays. I just think with the the issue we've got at the moment, we're drawing too many games. And we're solid enough. I don't think you'd be risking anything by making that change from a defensive perspective. Um, if you had Jack Arini, would you have to sacrifice Arini, Larson then? Though, no, and put he wouldn't. In there. Uh, no, you wouldn't. No. Um, you just you just swap them. You just swap them. Like the way you just dismissed that situation. No, you, I don't think you need to though, because you know you, that, that's functioning okay. The area that isn't functioning properly is that that third midfielder, and it, it isn't because you need somebody in the middle who's going to make make opportunities. I'm not saying Jack Arini's the best player in the world, but if you look at the the players we've got in the squad, when he gets the ball, he's the one who looks as though something might happen. And at the moment, when our centre midfielders get the ball. Nothing looked like it's going to happen. I know occasionally Gomez does put balls in behind fullbacks and stuff, and it looks great. But that maybe happens once, possibly twice in a game in the Premier League, maybe once every two games. So I don't know. I think, well, I do know. Sorry, I, I, I would play. I would play Jacarini in, in that position because I also think that his movement, his movement benefits the whole front three. So when when he starts drifting about in the pocket of space. If you give him that freedom, it gives the players in front of him more space because he drags players out. And then the movement of Johnson and it'll be Wickham or, or Fletcher will, you know, will 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 benefit because that that's that's the thing. We we'll lack fluidity across the front. We've tried the front three, and it, it it's I wouldn't say it's not working, but it it's just lacking. It's lacking something. It's lacking a spark, and I think it needs somebody behind them to start moving about a bit. Sort of not taking risks, but you know, a calculated sort of risk where you can where you can say the player's going to offer enough going one way, like going backwards, and he will offer something going forwards. And I think that's what you're going to get if you if you swap Jackarini for Gomez. I think a lot of fans would echo that, Graham. But there must be a reason Poyet keeps you know the same players keep serving. Well, well, but Gomez, sorry, um, Jackarini came on in that position three times. And then when he starts a game, he plays wide. Yeah, exactly. So there's a reason Poyet's not doing it. But it's not interesting why it. he'll put well put him in 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 the middle during a game, but he won't he won't start in front. Well, well maybe uh, he just did it because he wanted to rest. He wanted to rest Wickham. He wanted to rest Johnson. Maybe that's why. And then he could accommodate him on that left side. Maybe that's why it was. I don't know. Well, I think the reason why he's sort of plays him in the middle is that in the games where he's come on, it have been games where we've needed a goal. 
and so he's willing to sort of and when, when the game's stretched yeah. he's not going to be in a situation where he's going to be putting himself at risk of getting knocked off the ball as much as well Man no. City for example the game opened right up didn't it yeah I, I, and I just think he met, you know what Poirier likes to do is with his squad he likes to keep solid for as long as he can and in maybe later in the game he'll make those sort of changes where he thinks he can win the game and that's why he brings Jacarini on because he knows maybe Jacarini won't be quite as a, won't, him you know him and two behind him he won't be quite as compact in midfield as the three and so I think that's why he does it during games and why he's, he played them wide in that game but I do agree with you I think with how we've been playing we need the need to change something in that yeah. area to, to affect other areas because that's the that's the area at the moment where it's it's restricting us from. It doesn't look like he's going to make soon, does he? Well, you if might. I can, if I can jump ahead, I mean, sort of towards the end of this podcast, we'll be talking about the, about the January transfer window, and you might ask me where I think someone need to strengthen. I think they need without, without having a shop list, which sounds like everything. I think they need more. <laughs> they need more pace. Need more creativity. Need more goals on the side. Um, and when we're talking about um, the, the Leeds game. And we'll get onto him as well shortly. Patrick Van Alt's pace. I mean, I don't. I don't think he's the best footballer in the world. He might get better as he as he gets older and he improves. I still would have preferred Marco Alonso there, who also had pace. But it makes such a difference when teams are stretched, and it makes such a difference to the creative players. You mentioned Jatrini in the middle. The essential thing for Jatrini, if he's in the middle, is that when he gets the ball, he's got players running off him to create options. He'll pick players out with a pass, but he needs players to be running off him. And to have that, you need pace. You need Patrick Van Alt or whoever. Or maybe one of those January recruits surging up the wing so that Jatterini is looking forward ready to make the killer pass it's pointless to have him in the middle when he receives the ball in a very pedestrian outfit and it's getting past sideways and backwards and, and not really creating any damage I'd like to see him in the middle if you could get him in there and it could work but it would only work if you got full backs making overlapping runs and really stretching the opposition so you're getting the best out of Jatterini looking forward and using his passing ability Brings us on to, I mean we're going to mention Van Arnold again but just because I mentioned originally um, Ricky Alvarez and Jacarini, two players that the fans want in the side. Gareth, Ricky Alvarez, oh, it looks like an impact something, mate, nothing mm. more. At the moment, you're yeah. going to pay 11 million quid from him yeah, in the summer. No, yeah. Definitely not. God, no. No. I mean, at the moment, I, I wouldn't say he looks bad, um, but he just is he what Sunderland needs? Probably not. I mean, how how do you get how do you get it? It's, it would be easier to get Jacarini into the team than to get him in the team. He can play in the Premier League at the moment. He can play in one place, and that's wide. He can't. Pl- he couldn't play in the mid in the middle because you know he wouldn't offer that work rate that you need. That Jack Arini's going to offer. Not just you. the work rate going back as well, which is the easy thing to say, isn't it? Our oh, player doesn't like track and back. Flair players don't like track and back. I was just confused that when we were breaking, he wasn't. But he wasn't getting fault. But he, he, said he, he was. He was. He, he was, was ill, though, wasn't he? Well, yeah, but generally, you know, in games you've seen him. If he, he wasn't he ill, and he should. If he was ill, and and he was. Going to affect the game negatively. Yeah, but he, he brought Rodwell off early because he wasn't feeling well. I, I thought it was a, he had a problem. I think it was a muscle problem. I think. Wasn't it? I, I thought it was illness for the two of them. But was it? For the he said he was tired to us. Uh, uh, Rod, Rodwell was a, a tight hamstring. Uh, he, took, yeah. he took him off because he had a very tight hamstring. He was holding his thigh as well, the back of his leg when he went down mm. the tunnel. I just no, I haven't so understood Gus's uh, <laughs> accent there. I thought he said he was tight. I thought he said he was tight. I think with Alvarez, he's, he's, an, he's a funny little player. He's sort of someone who is always playing on this thin line between sort of... It, how He's not inconsistent. He sort of just exists on this line where it all depends whether whatever he tries comes off or not. Yeah. And I think he will, unlike, say, Will Buckley, he'll give you... One or two good moments in a match, and that could, and like against City, that could be a big difference. Um, but he is—he's not someone you can rely on. And it's he's almost not someone... like you, you need—you think, okay, we'll have him as a as a player to bring on if you're chasing a game, or yeah, you want to then so. win a game. Is, yeah, if, if you, you want to up or two nil up, you might bring yeah, him on. Yeah, yeah. the re- the reason Poyet says he plays Gomez is because he thinks he offers some control in the game. Now you, you couldn't say that for Alvarez, could you? <laughs> no, I don't think Al- yeah. Ricky Alvarez is not about control. No, <laughs> I don't think. No, it's the, it's the manager's quandary, though, isn't it? When it comes to skillful players, you've got to play them and hope they come into form. But the only way they will come into form is if you keep on playing them, and that's 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 the sort of situation that Poyer's facing with Alvarez. And I think that's why he was so keen to play him in the Leeds game. He's he, he, there's, a, there's a a bit of an echo about Skocko for me um, in, a, in a certain way about Alvarez in the sense that. Poyet hung his hat on Skocko. He was convinced Skocko would come good, but he had to adjust to the English game. In the end, that just didn't work out. Um, but Poyet had really high hopes for Skocko, and it just didn't happen. 
and we, ne we never saw anything in his performances to just justify Poyet's optimism. Uh, and with Alvarez, the same thing. I think Poyet feels as though he could be someone who could suddenly click and he'll be, he'll be a regular match winner. But we're just not quite seeing it yet. We desperately want it to happen, but we're not seeing it yet. I think I, th I think I don't want to write him off. Um, I think that would be unfair because he has had the injuries. Um, he hasn't. He's only had about what five or six appearances. He hasn't. He hasn't yeah. played that much. And he, he he did have that. He's had a couple of moments where he looked good. I mean, he well, came on against can, Swansea yeah. and looked looked like a lovely. Well, we can always player. remember that Barini in the first half of last season didn't yeah. do much. But the thing is, I think Barini and we mentioned Barini. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. We mentioned Barini again, so that was a good effort. <laughs> I already um, mentioned him earlier. I think. Um, did you? It just it's you, you have to mention. Yeah, never um, get over him. No, um, you've all tweeted his last. Um, <laughs> yeah, point yeah, for yeah. four days yeah. into the new year. Tweeted his last every day. Yeah, but anyway, probably why he's not coming. Yeah, but. Yeah, I think they're very different players. I think you know someone like Barini. You know, if you're talking about hard work, yeah, and you know he probably epitomises hard work as a footballer because he, you know, I think that's where he approaches. Yeah, I was trying to compare. No, no, I was just players. saying like every yeah. day, and I'm, I'm not saying and at the same time I'm not saying that Alvarez is lazy because I don't think he is. He's just probably got more of a languid style um, in the way he approaches things, and that and that's you know footballs and it different personalities and. Managers have to manage those personalities like and qualities. Ben type. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Think, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that harsh. Um, I wouldn't be that harsh on him at all. I mean, he's got a good pedigree, hasn't he? I mean, he's yeah. what, Argentine international. Yeah. But you, you know, yeah, we've seen. Like, we've seen. We, yeah, we've seen plenty of Argentine. Well, not plenty, but a few Argentine internationals and whoever, whoever internationals come and go to Sunderland without even uh, making an appearance. You know, so. You know, maybe you know, I think that's a thing we Sunderland people don't we? We, we get it. no matter who we bought. You know, everyone says we should have bought this player in the summer because he's done this at this mm. club. And if we, I guarantee, yeah, Sonny would have been rubbish, yeah, wouldn't he? Bonnie would have been garbage. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think what, what what we're talking about is that is that Sunderland really lack you know many creative players, and Alvarez is one of them. And we're all just hoping that sort of maybe you know if if he plays some, you know, click. I mean, like you say, he's got a pedigree, a lot of money, got the international status sort of side of things. You just hope that uh, that it'll click. So I didn't mind him playing. He didn't have a great game, but maybe sort of that'll give him a boost in training in the week and we might start seeing the better. Well, best it, of him. It, even in the fact he was okay, he, he had that effort off, like, took a reflection, clipped the top of the bar. I mean, he still, he still did something around the box. He still offered something, which is, you know, something we haven't seen enough of from, from a lot of players. I think Johnson's looking quite bright at the moment. I thought when he came on, he was bright again, and mm -hmm. you know that's a good sign because he he tends to go on these spurts of you know a couple of months he'll be very good, and then he probably not as good as you hope for the rest of the time. But he still, even in that period, he still contributes. Yeah. Buckley, if we're looking at wide players, I, th I quite like the look of him when he first came. He looks bang out of form at the moment, and you know he just he's re he's really struggling to to adjust. I think. At, to the Premier League which is a bit of a shame but I've yeah, got to give him a bit yeah. of time I don't want to write Buckley I know it, it's very easy to with his performances of late, but I think Buckley? it's too early uh, 24, 24 25 it's it's somewhere mid young man. yeah he, he's only been there a few months we, I'm, I'm, you know, we have to be a bit more yeah. I think that's the thing you, everyone's you it's know, like Craig Clark isn't it yeah, it is, he, Craig's <laughs> not a big fan is he yeah. Um, but yeah you, I think it's good to, to to not start throwing around you know Hyperbolic stuff about certain people. I think it's you know you wait and see how it pans out over time. And you know Buckley has contributed at times. I think that's the thing. We have players who do contribute sometimes, but we need to find somebody who's going to contribute. Well, that, you know, nine that, out of ten times. I think that could be Adam Johnson. And the one thing about Adam Johnson is he's he's a class act. He's a, he's, a, he's a proven player, and he he's a but he is a form player. He has his purple patches, uh, and I think he, he could be coming into one now. Yeah. But and I, and I agree with you when you, you came on against Leeds, you could sense he was thinking like you know. I'm feeling great. This is yeah. this is Leeds. We're creating chances. I'm going to go to town here, and he didn't see enough of the ball for me. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that maybe they've got to look at it tactically. When Johnson's a bang on form, make sure you kill him with the mm. ball. Get the ball to him constantly because there's this danger where he, he he's, he's not wanting to hugely call for the ball and demand it. He'll take up good positions, and if he doesn't receive the ball, then he can just drift out of the game. Could. Right, he, I'm not saying I'm not saying this is my idea. I'm okay. not saying that, that we should it do it. Yeah, okay. I'm not saying that. This is just. Do you think <laughs> Johnson two, could play <laughs> as that third as that third midfielder in the middle? Do you think Johnson D could play there? I don't this think he's is got the discipline. No. I don't no. Know. This is something yeah. that people have sort of 
so it's been mentioned a few times in the past sort of over the past sort of year. You and could a half again or so. if, if you've played the way Borley did yeah. three in midfield and a number ten like where he played Jack Arena. I think I'll see Johnson playing there. Mm. The system now mm. one of two midfielders ahead of a defensive midfielder. He does work. He's got the discipline. He, he does work hard. Yeah, he does track back and uh, yeah. But I'm just I, look, I don't think he's on the know how no. maybe. Well, maybe, maybe he has at, got the discipline. I'm just looking at somebody who can play in that in that midfield three who, who is gonna, um, you know, drop into spaces and and and, and be available because Catamore's quite midfield cl- issue, isn't it? When Catamore's, we talk about players, Catamore's not- good at picking out that player when he's got the ball deep. He picks. He often picks out someone who drifts into the mm. gap. Would not at the moment. Gomez isn't getting into that gap. Whoever plays in that, Rodwell's not getting into that gap when he played there. Someone needs to go between the lines because, you know, people def- like you know we've seen it in games like Leicester, Burnley. Teams are def- teams defend for their lives in the Premier League, don't they? I mean, if you haven't got the quality, they they're organised and it's hard to break them down, and you need to get into that space and. We don't at the moment. There's nobody going into that pocket. We, when we're chasing the game, it sometimes happens, but we, we're just not seeing enough of it. I don't think. I think if you if you go to the horse's mouth again and ask Adam about it, Adam has said that he like he he actually prefers to be a bit more inside because he doesn't like not receiving the ball. He, 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 he Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He's happy on the wing and he's a good winger and he knows that's his natural position. But what he doesn't like is not getting the ball. Uh, and he says that if you're, if you're further in field, you do see more of the ball. I just think there's a danger. Even in games, he almost loses interest if he's not seen enough of the ball. And that's why a tactic has got to be to make sure if you get the ball, look for Adam Johnson every time. Well, I mean, whether it's Adam Johnson or Jack Arini or any other player, we, we, it's the same problem all the time, isn't it? We, it's a centre midfield issue we have because we can't get up, we can't pull the shape forward enough for those players to yeah. receive the ball in a high enough position. Now, whether Alvarez was was, was um, unfit or not, we, again, he, he's, he's receiving the ball deep where he can't really do any damage. So, Rodwell was a player, he hoped, he, that was going to so, sort of solve those issues, isn't he? Now, he was actually having a decent game before he went off. He's played all right recently, hasn't he, the last two games? A few people said to me after the game, we looked good before Rodwell went off and then it, it went flat a little bit. I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. because it, what you were talking about players you know taking an, an opportunity we've mentioned Alvarez we've mentioned Jack Arrini, so just to mention that Rodwell looked like he was actually um, yeah, grasping, that, uh, I grabbing I his opportunity I think what uh, this is the kind of grasp about Rodwell is he, he's a big physical powerful unit you know what I mean so, and that's, that is a factor on the football pitch he's someone who can really kind of physically impose himself on a game and that's what Poyet's looking for him to do long term Um Showing flashes and signs of that, but that's 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 the kind of key character he is. If you had if you had Rodwell, uh, who can play a bit as well, and Catamol doing their jobs, then that leaves a platform for your more creative players like Jasperini and Johnsons. But you need pace as well to help. And that that's a, that was such a, a significant difference I could see when Van Al is bulleting down the left flank, and all of a sudden teams are getting stretched. It opens them up, and that's the one thing that is conspicuous by its absence in this Sunderland side. Definitely, pace. Mm-hmm. Just desperate. I mean. You look and everyone wants the player, but it's difficult to say. I mean, we but we all watch a lot of football. I'm sure. I mean, I don't watch a lot of continental football, but I watch a lot watch a lot of English football. And you look and you see, well, he would be good. He would be good, but they aren't going to be available. You know, it's mm. finding somebody. You know, without if you buy somebody buy somebody of a Premier League club who's in form. Gonna it's going to cost you a lot of money and then the other option is buy somebody who had a bit of form but maybe gone out of form and they might be available because they're not playing week in week out or somebody coming to the end of the contract but when that happens 
you're in a situation where you're going to be in competition with six or seven teams if you're trying to sign a proven Premier League player who's going out of contract. Look, look at the, the lad at West Ham, Winston Reid. Mm. There's a player who Sunderland probably should be looking at. He's an experienced Premier League footballer. Um, and he's a decent player. But you know how many teams are going to be coming in for him? Plenty. So it's really West Ham's here big as well. Yeah, it's, it's really it's an issue. His wages is an issue really. there, which which it's a really implies he's after a lot. It's a really difficult situation, and the pressure's on you know Poya and Congan and uh, to find the the players. And when they don't, you know they 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 get criticised, and then they end up probably they aren't probably happy with the business they've done themselves because they can't get the players that they want and it's mm. it's it's such a tough situation now for Sunderland to sign the players and I know you've seen players like Sacko go to go to West Ham and stuff but London you know there'll probably be a lot number of scouts in for those types of players and then it's like you know where's the money you yeah. know where, where's you know let's all go and live in London you <laughs> know it's well before we talk about transfers because Grim's mentioned Van Arnold a few times. I know we're all dying to talk about him, really. Probably should have started with it because <laughs> he was the obvious thing, wasn't he? Start with the news, of course. Van Arnold started the game, surprisingly. You've been, you've been waiting for all And we're going for the whole that. thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're going for the whole thing, not just a short talk version. over the top of it. Drag it out a you bit. That. We're not, well, it's only on for another seven seconds, so. Well, you totally ruined this, to be fair. Well, it was your idea, so I'm happy to. Happy to ruin it. Well, Gareth just ruined that there. Gareth just ruined that there. Are right. we playing Hallelujah? Yeah. Oh yeah, you couldn't hear, yeah. could you? Yeah. 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 The listeners won't hear either because Gareth just spoke. It's all right. It's well, Gareth just heard the angelic music and decided to be the voice of God. Well, <laughs> I, I was elected. That's a worry for I was elected everybody. that voice. You were elected of God. the voice yeah. of God yeah. by a panel. Okay. By, well, yeah. you know, the, the, that um, it's that dubious goals panel when the when they're off the clock when there's no dubious goals. Yeah. That's what they decide. They so. appoint God. And, you know, who am I to argue with the dubious goals panel? The dubious God panel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well yeah. done, Luke. That's, Thank you. You've, that's why you came. Yeah. yeah. Let's well, move on. Took me down an avenue there. I'm not sure where to get out of it. But uh, Van Arnold. Um, Graham, we've been banging on about him here. For, for his absence for ages. You've, meant, you've, you've touched on it yourself there. How significant it is. He's came into the side because we've had no width previously. As well as the, full, the makeshift fullbacks have done. Um, they weren't really expected to do that job, were they? But no. it it just makes it's such a difference. That, there's so many knock-on effects as well. Yeah, the the overlap in the fullback is just such a, a big factor in in Premier League games these days, and it has been for quite a few years now. Where when teams are so much, well matched up to each other defensively, the hardest person to mark in some respects is the overlapping fullback coming flying up, making space, and Sunderland have lacked that dimension. And it has been frustrating sometimes watching them in Van Anholt's absence because how many times they look so kind of flat-footed and, and, and plodding in their build-up and, and, and overly patient, as it were. So yeah, I, I liked I liked his pace and it, it had a really electrifying effect on his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he's the best footballer in the world is what we can talk about. I mean, I think Alonso was Gus Poyet's first choice. He, he, he wanted Alonso. I think Van Aldholt might well have been a Congerton choice. You would guess so with the Chelsea links and stuff. Um, and uh, and maybe the same goes for Robwell as well. Both and so you have the kind of unusual dynamic where a manager hasn't got the player he wants. He's almost had a player impose upon him, and then he has to kind of go right. I'm going to suck it up and try and make the best I can out of this player. Um, I think Gus has come to terms with that now, and he's trying to make the best out of Van Aldholt. Um There has been a question mark over sometimes over Van Aldholt's temperament. Uh, when he was at Newcastle and he was a younger lad and all that side of things but he looked hungry and he looked eager and he worked hard all the way through and uh, I just sort of think he, if, you, if you've got a team which has very little pace in it and you've got someone like him he's, 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 he could be an essential part of your mm-hmm. team Well, caught up with Gus after the game and asked about the, the attack and fullback situation and the return of Van Arnold Yeah, it's a big decision I think it's, uh, it's important we give credit to to the medical staff and, and to Patrick himself. Uh, it was a big call. You know, as everybody knows, he's been training, running, doing some contact, but individually with the physios. Uh, it was starting to have the normal training, absolutely normal, full training tomorrow, 10 o'clock. We thought about it. I said, well, why no 15 or 16 hours before? You know, it's not like a, we tried to convince him to be clever. Uh, take it as a, with all respect to Leeds and the cup competition, as a, as a precision game for him. 
and he scored. He doesn't look at precision game, you know, he looks at perfect comeback. But equally now, next week, I mean, Billy Jones can go back to the right and you get the same from him on the other side as well, don't you? Well, that's the idea when a team wants to pass the ball and make the pitch big, you know, you need wide players. We didn't have those fullbacks available for long, so it's going to be a nice week to see if we can have everybody back. It makes all the difference, you think, the fullbacks? It should. Uh, we play three, what time are we playing next week? Midday? So around two o'clock, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you said that in there. I didn't realise I did, to be honest. That started to happen now. We discussed that before. I think we should put that little sound clip every time someone does a joke on this pod. Yeah, yeah, it's awful, isn't it? We might have even broke the sound on the podcast because of the the curvature on the thing went off the scale. So when we listen back to that, we'll find out. But I mentioned Graham before we heard that that his inclusion has not gone effects all over the park. The most obvious one is that Billy Jones can get back over the right and off with the same. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's nice to have versatile players. It's sometimes essential to have versatile players. And for someone, that's essential when you have the full look at your full-backs where you're continually putting round pegs in square holes. But, yeah, it'll be a massive benefit to have two players playing in their preferred positions. And when you're going back to about, about the injury side of things... Um, I, I always remember reading when I was first starting off and I was lamenting some pl- key players' injury. And his point was always that he didn't mind getting players' injuries. In fact, he actually thought sometimes get players getting injured was a good thing in the sense that if they were out for two or three months, they got frustrated, they were sitting on the sidelines, and all of a sudden they come back with a completely different focus. They might have done a bit of growing up a bit. They might be totally focused on the football. And I hope that was what the case with Van Aalholt at the weekend, that he, he's missed it and he's hungry and he wants to prove something and he suddenly knows he's got an opportunity here. Um, mm-hmm. So the same could be could have applied to several of the, of the injured players who, who have been missing and also several of the players whose, whose positions have been under threat this season. Like Minoni's had a long spell on the sidelines um, and you've, you've actually had quite a few players and as Brown was rested, um, Virginie's been pushing for a place at centre-half, Coates has been in and out. So, so there's, there is... A lot of opportunities for players if they have the right attitude to try and make the mark, and I've got to hope that Poyet focuses them in that direction. That the second half of the season is a chance for these sort of players to really make the mark and impose themselves for some of the season. And I mean, talking about Billy Jones, Luke, we we saw him get forward on the left. He won the penalty at Man City, uh, but I mean, it was particularly uh, noticeable when main, when main Garfield at Aston Villa that he was getting the ball on the left. He was slowing attacks down because they had to come back on his right foot. Now mm. that's not his fault. He's filling in. But the fact he was finding himself in those positions is proof of the kind of fullback he is. So it just, yeah. Gus just said there, obviously, didn't he? That you know, I'll tell you after the after the end, at the end of the game how much difference it makes. But every, you know, if you think about it logically, everything's sort of telling you that it should make such a difference. I, I think it'll make a huge difference. I think Jones, when Jones was at, when we've had had Jones at right back and Van on the left back, which I I think was only one game or, or something. Um, it was a stoke game and they both were excellent and they both offered so much and it's not just about the pace which they do both offer which and which we desperately need but also like Gus said there the width that they offer we don't really have any we can't stretch teams because of, of not having those two bombing forwards I mean Virginie tries to get forward but then he gets the ball in the position and he doesn't really know what to do with it he, he can't really cross the ball or put it or, or do anything with it so I think having these two to stretch teams and and just creating more space, basically, is yeah. going to be so, so huge. And I think this could be kickstart our season. That's a key, Gareth, isn't it? Because there's less impetus on the centre midfielders now to, well, I guess, create something out of nothing almost. They're, they're, they're looking for an opening that isn't there, perhaps, mm. when they don't have those full-backs getting on and supporting them. Suddenly you have two full-backs going on, whichever one it is at the time, pulling players out of position. Yeah. Things open up for our midfielders a lot more. Well, that's well. it, isn't it? You, you stretch the game both ways, don't you? So you start stretching it wider, and then the the space gets bigger so but it's it's down you know once they start doing that it's 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 the responsibility of that, that those front three or four players to to capitalize on that space and you know be a bit more adventurous i think at times you know we saw the weekend you know there wasn't enough people getting into the box i don't think at time i'm not, I'm not saying people should be flooding the box but you got to time your runs and to come onto things <clears throat> um, like cutbacks and and stuff on the penalty spot. And that's but why he maybe... likes a forward player in the in the front left row, so he can get in the box yeah. from the other side. Yeah, doesn't yeah. He? But you know, there, there still needs to be somebody you know who's got a little bit of instinct around the box, who's who's gonna 
maybe take that gamble or, or, or you know, even it could be someone like Larson who's going to do that, um, who's going to take that gamble and make the run from deep, especially because they need to start finding a way to win games. Um, it, it was a funny one at, at Man City because, you know, we defended solidly for an hour, um, went 2-0 down and then went more open and scored twice but conceded a terrible goal and went 3-2 down. I think that, you know, what you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You know, you might get a result if you play open but you're going to concede. If you keep it tight, you might nick one up the other end but you could get a point. It's, 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 a, it's a real quandary at the moment and it is just a case of with two or three said it before two or three good players away from being a, a decent team you know a good finishing you know 10th 11th 12th if we, if we strengthen in the right areas but you know it's so hard to find find the right players Stephen Fletcher would be happy Graham as well because he wasn't really getting crosses into the box Gus came out last week didn't he and said I will never play a system where wingers get out wide put crosses in and stuff but obviously the fullbacks are going to and we saw that didn't we with, yeah. with the city missed five yards out yeah the one the one thing we can all agree on is that if when it comes to breaking teams down Sunderland are uh, in a measurably more dangerous side with the, with Jones and Van Aanholt back into they're just going to find it so much more easier to break teams down with them than without them uh, and that's what Fletcher needs he needs crosses but I also think he needs support um, I, I and I know he's said that he's quite happy to play the lone striker, but I think he's quite happy to play the lone striker if the team players around him are creating chances. No one wants to play the lone striker where it's a thankless job. You've got your back to goal continually um, and you get very few chances. I think, yeah, the full backs will create more chances. It'll open up places for the, uh, the central midfielders, the creative midfielders. Um, but I do think that when it comes to strengthening, I do think Sunderland need. I think they need another striker, and I think they need uh, maybe get rid of a striker, uh, and I think um, they need to look at the, the whole, you know, quality rather than quantity side of things. And I think also there needs to be an intelligent design there. I think the what Gareth says is right. You just sense, and I think that's probably Poyet's frustration. There are two or three quality players away from being a real, real prospect, and I think that whoever comes in has to be right for this side. I think I've seen too many. Sunderland teams over the years where you have got quality players but they just don't fit into the, the team plan we've got a bit of that right now um, so I think that when you do look at making your signings you've, they've got to fit in what he's got now and what's the probabilities of players coming in then we, we mentioned a forward there we, I think you know every every man his dog knows we need a centre forward Gus has indicated that plenty of times Aladon needs to go out first right mm-hmm, I agree it just, it just hasn't. I mean, uh, there's nothing personal. But, even, but, but I mean, from a financial point of view as well, he well, needs yeah. to go first. Doesn't I think. He? I think you've, I think you've got to be realistic in the sense that you've only got a certain amount of money to play with with a fair play budget, um, uh, you know, fair play rules. Um, so if you can offload anyone who isn't, um, you know, a key part of your team, and you get money for them, um, then that's going to help you. And the obvious choice there is, is Altador. He'll be on big. He came on big money. Uh, you might get a transfer fee back from if you can sell him to America, for example. Um, and he's also be on big wages. And I, I don't. I'm not picking on Josie. I really am not. I'd love to have seen it happen for him. But the simple fact is, when you look at the, the goals he's scored and the amount of games he's had, and also if you've been there and regularly suffered the pain of watching some of the ones he's missed, uh, it just hasn't happened for him. And it's best to kind of move on. And and that will help. You know, play, getting players out who aren't part of the, of the future will swell Gus's as, as money well, pot. I mean, Gus said in the summer, Gareth, didn't he, that the reason he didn't sign another centre forward was because the amount he already has. So we aren't really any further forward on yep. on that front yet. So you would imagine there's work behind the scenes to try and sort something out. They'll have to be. Um, the, you know, they need to find a way to 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 bring in to make changes in the squad. Centre forward number one priority, yeah. Yeah, there's not, there's not there's centre midfielder two, centre half three. I don't know. Because, was, I guess. Well, I guess, the, I guess. The, the, the bottom line is there's not enough goals in the squad. There's not enough goals in the squad. I mean, sort of, you know, Fletcher. We can discuss Fletcher. Um, we can discuss Wickham, and and they could still be the answer. I don't know the answer further on down the line, but at the moment they're not that prolific, and and we don't have prolific goal scoring midfielders either. So you need you need to find something which is going to get more goals on the side, and the obvious thing. Would be bringing a, a proven striker. I guess they can't. They can't really do any w- work in the centre midfield, though. They're not going to be able to ro- like move people out and bring people in because, I mean, Bridcut. We, we didn't mention him, but he was very good again. I thought, um, and he's a more than able deputy for Catamar. Yeah. We wouldn't even. Call, I wouldn't really yeah. disrespect him by saying he's a deputy. I think he's he's a good player. So you got those two there. Larson's just signed a contract and he's been excellent. Mm. And, Rodwell, you know, 
that's him. But that, would that prevent Gomez you from going out and signing a better player? I know, but, you, but if you've got team. but if you've got limited funds, if you're going to change one in for one out, you can't get rid. There's no central midfielders that they can get rid of logically. They haven't. They'd have to sell Jackarini. Not maybe. But to if he's going to go or, and maybe bring it. So say, but, say but I'm he, saying he's, he's, he's not going to be. Able, they've got no defenders to sell for starters. No, no, they've got no, no central midfielders that can sell. But. That you know what, you could only sell a wide man or a forward to make money to spend elsewhere. And if he's going to spend that in a centre forward, you can't sell a forward and then buy a midfielder. So, so if you're juggling, say Lee Congan on the board or whatever, say to him, okay, you can go out and get one loan player from the Premier League. What position would you? Oh well, for? from it, this from it this depends, it depends yeah. on so who's available. So a player doesn't have to go out first. Yeah, I mean, that, I know, I know. I mean, we, I guess, we're just talking theoretically, aren't we? I'm not asking you to. If sort you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna just who's pull available. the potential, potentially, if you're gonna, if you're gonna get a forward on loan, say if a Premier League forward, based on, you know, my limited knowledge of probably what's available. What are you looking for? Pace, power, strength. Someone who's going to stretch teams. You got to find a team who's going to be allowing a will of play to go. You're going to be taking a risk, so you're looking at like a younger, probably younger player, or someone at the other the other end of the career who's out of favour. I mean, Joel Campbell, I guess. I mean, he played, he played uh, in the FA Cup, didn't he? But I guess that there's another. He's quick, you know. Arsenal might be looking to send him out on loan. I mean, Sonogo's the other one. I wouldn't read. I don't really <laughs> like the look of him at all. Um, I think Campbell would be the one. But then you're basing that on basically the World Cup, on you. Yeah. Yes, and as we've seen in the past, sometimes yeah. maybe. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I've got limited knowledge of what is available, but I'm trying to think of somebody who is available who, who is going to give Don't us what we need. Don't think about it too much, though. Just sort of say <laughs> what area you would, you would All right, ideally sorry. like to see. I didn't see. realise this was a football <laughs> podcast. We're talking about football and Sunderland, Stephen. Sorry, we should sign a footballer. Does anyone know if Robbie Keane is available? <laughs> no, not Robbie Keane. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going yeah. through that again. Graham, not another story. Graham, do you, I, I've asked this every time we mention Robbie Keane. Do you remember the email that the club sent out saying they'd signed Robbie Keane? <laughs> well, they're actually kind of hard. Yeah, I know, but they did send an email saying we've signed him in subject yeah. to a medical. I, I think I mentioned this before once on the podcast, but I spent a whole summer on pre-season tour and I was I was looking to have a good relationship with a manager who basically was telling me Robbie Keane was coming it was just a case Robbie Keane was coming he wanted to come we all agreed it was just a case of getting the paperwork over the line which it was um, and at one point they did think that it was, it was good to go and off they went with it and again, but again there's so many loose ends mm-hmm. to tie up the loose ends didn't get tied up and it dragged on so long Tottenham came in and Blues went out of the water wasn't it uh, didn't lead sack the manager no Terry Venables went on holiday that was that was it that was, yeah. that was, that was, that's, yeah. uh, I remember because I remember the, the, there's two or three things which stopped it and the, it wasn't actually a holiday Venables went on he filmed um, he went filmed to Switzerland he, no, he, he filmed Wish You Were Here he filmed Wish You Were Here <laughs> okay. in the Barbados yeah. he got off a chance to, to horse Wish You Were Here in Barbados so he went off that so I remember really doing his nuts and he's gone where he's gone where can you imagine that now yeah. so, so basically it was all held up while Terry sort of did his bit of uh, as I recall Terry did his filming and when he came back the situation just moved on Tottenham who'd been searching for, I think someone that Tottenham were after had fallen through so they started looking around who might we get and then they went for Robbie Keane off he went and you, you think how he, completely different the history of the club might have been had for one reason or another Robbie Keane signed at a time when Kevin Phillips hadn't quite lost heart in the way he did towards the end and you'd have had a, you know Quinney was still going in you wouldn't have had the Torrey Andre Flo sort of mm. situation what so. would have happened is Robbie Keane's career would be ruined <laughs> that's what that's usually happens I think yeah. there's just why well, Sunderland and transfers it just like, good Johnson remember good, that one at yeah. the airport it was at Makaleli as well when he signed or something but it was sure just, it was. just these like but but the, like things like oh we didn't sign Robbie Keane because Terry Venables went to present Wish You Were Here <laughs> like we did like the, one of Bruce's key transfer targets got shot in shot the head, head in yeah. a bar like ha- yeah. these bizarre situations or, or we'd sign the wrong striker just these bizarre yeah. situations I think, I think what, it, what it is, I mean, it's, it's, they're all after, after dinner stories and what it is is that clubs are normally looking at half a dozen players for any one position at any one time and it's always the case that the, I mean, there's a, a tale years and years ago of uh, Alan Brown I mean, going to the 60s now, Alan Brown looking for a player and he heard of a young player, he heard a lot of it at Scunthorpe and he went loved him, wanted to sign him but the club wouldn't uh, stumble the cash and we lost out on Kevin Keegan that way really? So, so I, and I, I remember reading really one sitting down telling me about various players he'd lost out on the uh, on you know over the years 
but I think like every manager will have will name the players mm. he lost, lost out on who then went to became superstars but yeah. probably not be quite so keen yeah. to tell about the players he wanted to sign who <laughs> ended up nowhere we signed all those ones yeah, <laughs> yeah those <laughs> unfortunately ones unfortunately yeah. for us that, I don't remember the Ortega one that was always since yeah, we were talking about the transfer window yeah. and, 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 and bear Ortega. in mind as well that some of them are absolute rubbish I mean, I mean sort of, some of them are just never going to happen um, and they're just being put in there by the agent flung out there and you know some of them linked up to players who've got no interest in it all um, but it helps well it just goes I mean mid the, the, I mean the Echo fell foul of I remember the very famous Jan Collar story which was started a group of people on a message board and they managed to get they managed to get the agent of Jan Collar to comment, the next, saying, the next amazing. Time, the next time I'm on the podcast, I'll tell the, the full true story behind the Jan Collar thing, because that's, that's, that's worth a podcast in itself. Right, OK. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but, so, but like, it's, it's true that, sort of, generally speaking, yeah. um, there's a lot of manipulation in the January transfer market in terms of agents putting out various rumours as well. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right, sometimes like, you know, people in their bedroom can put out rumours. Absolutely. And they, they, can, they can catch fire. But generally speaking, it's, it, there's an awful lot of uh, shenanigans going on in the transfer, which is what makes it such a frustrating time for journalists when you just, all you want to do is kind of put the truth in the paper and the truth can, but the truth can change from hour to hour yeah. as well. The Robbie Keane stuff, for example, I mean, Quinny, I think Quinny before, now Quinny will say, I can tell you something at nine o'clock in the morning and it'll be true and you can print it and then by three o'clock in the afternoon it'll not be true anymore sort of stuff it's just it's a minefield anything else you'd like to add Luke before we uh, before <laughs> um, we Steven wind looks up. disgruntled like we've gone off we've gone no, off no. feast no I'm just, I'm just enjoying it people don't want to listen to me I I can't think of anything I can add no. to it. It's a terrible <laughs> story. I really, I really don't think. You don't, it. Want, to, you don't want to recycle your Metro story. Can you imagine my, my, my years of insight in the Northeast yeah. media? Can, bring that can you imagine that now? I wish Robbie was here. But well, just t- that, someone like Terry Venable. So, well, not someone like Terry Venable. Well, well, I guess Joe Kinnear was probably as close as you could get. Didn't he go on holiday during the January? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he go? Didn't he? Didn't he go on holiday during the transfer window because he had it booked? Didn't he say, <laughs> I've, "I booked this before, before I, got the, I job. got the job. I put that in." And so. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to send hate mails to Terry Venables. He probably, he probably didn't. He probably thought he could uh, nip across, do the job, <laughs> and then uh, have yeah. Robbie signed anyway. You know, so. Oh dear. Okay. That's a bit depressing, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to try and get Graham back in, actually, with Chris Young and Rob Mason. And maybe uh, Ben Oprah as well. Possibly, yeah. We're to talk about the um, selection, their selection for the 100 Sunderland signings, post-war oh. signings. Ben will be interesting for that one. For that. Yeah, Definitely, well, we'll yeah. try and make that happen in the next few weeks. Uh, maybe when Sunderland go out there for a couple or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Liverpool on Saturday to see if these full-backs actually do make a difference. Myself, Gareth, Michael Proctor will be over on Into the Light to talk about that on Thursday. But for now, we've been with in association with the Love we've Supreme. Been. We've has been that finished, we've been. it? That's just <laughs> we what you say. To tell past us we've been in association with the Love Supreme, as we will be next week. <laughs> we'll so, be back with them again at the start, and mm-hmm. then we'll have been with them at the end. Yeah, steady here. Thanks for listening. Over <laughs> and out. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.